What if I promised you that I could help you overcome adversity, that I could help you find a greater sense of purpose, that your identity would be stronger, that you would experience more grit, more perseverance, more resilience? Would you buy it? Because Brian Davidson developed a technique that he calls MindView. And this technique is to just help people understand who they are, where they are right now mentally, and recognize how that's impacted by what's going on around them. And I'll just be honest with you, I'm a believer because I have experienced what Brian talks about in this episode. Personally, as a competitor training for the best ranger competition, I've even done what Brian talks about today without even knowing it. I've done it as a coach and as a mentor while I was serving as a chaplain in the U.S. Army. So I'm excited to get right into it with Brian Davidson as we talk about grit, perseverance, and overcoming obstacles on this episode of Unbeatable. These stories of triumph over adversity will help you handle your toughest days in life and become unbeatable. Dr. Brian Davidson, thank you for being willing to be on Unbeatable with me today. Hey, thanks so much, Jeff. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. It's great to be with you. Um, I have been doing a little bit of cyber stalking and checking out MindView, and I'm like, man, I love what this stuff looks like. I like what this guy stands for. So I'm really, really excited to get into this episode and let people know from the architect and the builder of MindView, who you are, what you stand for, but more importantly, what you're doing for athletes and leaders and just, you know, people in general around the world. Awesome. Well, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Where did this thing start? What was the genesis for MindView? Yeah, so I often describe myself as an educator, Jeff. Uh, so my background really started off in, in high school teaching. And back when I was a teacher up in the Twin Cities, I was super fascinated in what made my kids successful. I thought it came down to intrinsic motivation and self-discipline in those students. So I had this background in psychology from my undergrad years at the University of Iowa and uh, was trying to figure out what, you know, what made those successful students tick. And again, as I was learning about these great students, looking at what's making them succeed, it's like, okay, I got to figure out how these qualities develop in people. Like, where does this come from? So I came down to the University of Kansas and uh, started a PhD program in counseling psychology and started to learn about all these factors like grit and resilience and hope, growth mindset, self-efficacy all these different factors that we find that are important in many different life outcomes. And as I was learning about all these factors, I was like, my goodness, can we teach these things? Now, can we cultivate these skills to help people succeed and thrive? So that's when the light bulb really? went on for me and said, this is what I, what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, obviously, you're a very smart guy. We can tell that by the, uh, you know, the diplomas and the wall. And I just couldn't help this. I know plenty of people uh, that share your first name. There has to be a time or two that somebody sent you an email or a text and they got your first name wrong and they referred to you as brain, right? Uh, happened about three yeah, days ago. I was going to say, fact, yeah. so you really are a very brainy Brian, whereas everybody else, it's just a simple typo. Well, but Jeff, here, here's the thing. So I, I study these things in, in the academic world, we, we call them non-cognitive skills. Okay, so these are the factors outside of uh -huh. cognitive ability that we find are super important for people throughout their life. So yeah, I mean, all the academic stuff, that's all great. But that's like one piece of the yeah. equation of success of individuals, right? There, there's so much more to to what contributes to people thriving, succeeding, and performing yeah. well. Uh, so what did you do? First, you taught in Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota. What did you teach in the high school level? And why were you teaching high school? Like, how did you end up in the classroom? Yeah, good, good question. So let's go back to my, my undergrad year. So I initially started off with a degree in psychology. At the University of Iowa, by the way, a huge shout out correct. to the Iowa Hawkeyes. Go Hawkeyes. Yep. Yep. So, uh, you know, I had had this background in psychology. Then I was looking at that and like, hey, you really can't do a whole lot with a degree in psychology, <laughs> right. right? It's like psychology and communication is probably two of the uh, least, you know, the beneficial degrees everybody degrees gets, but nobody uses, themselves. right? That's the degree right it, there. Exactly. Exactly. So then it's like, okay, well, what can, what can I do? All right. So here I found myself really interested in all these social sciences and I was thinking about, okay, what, what can I do for a career? And so I thought, well, you know, I could go teach, right. I could help, uh, you know, study a lot of these factors and help other students, uh, you know, learn about all these social sciences. And so that's the direction that I went thinking that at least for the time being, that's where I would start. I, I knew kind of deep down, I wanted to pursue some form of higher education. Wasn't quite sure what, what that was at that point in time. 
but really it's my, my curiosity, Jeff, that kind of led me down this path. So you, did you start off, let's say when you were a kid wanting to be in the classroom or did you just kind of stumble into it? Yeah, no, yeah, really, really had no idea. You know, back when, back when I was a, a younger student, I've again, probably more from the curiosity side, always kind of had this fascination on what made people tick and you know, thrive. I, I was never really interested in all the psychopathology, all the, you know, deep, dark stuff like depression, anxiety, that, that stuff never really attracted me much, but uh, really kind of studying those people that are really performing well. And it always kind of really got me excited and interested. And so trying to figure out, you know, what, what makes people tick on the performance yeah. side, right? What, what leads people to, to, to do well throughout their life and perform well. That's kind of what led me down this path. What subject did you start teaching in high school? So it was, uh, I taught mostly all social studies. Okay. So I taught anywhere from a, a civics class in ninth grade to you know, world history, U.S. history, to uh, psychology, uh, 12th grade psychology, to a uh, class called Today's Issues, which is like a current events class. So really a range of, of different social science classes. Yeah. And obviously you must love it or been at least pretty good at it because you're still teaching a little bit, right? Adjunct right now at your alma mater. Yeah, I, I, especially when I started off uh, with MindView. So I was doing quite a bit of adjunct teaching and uh, teaching in the School of Education there. Uh, now, of course, MindView consumes the vast does. majority of my yeah. time. So I, I don't quite have as much time available for all those things, especially with uh, having two youngsters and in the mix now with uh, two, two kids. Uh, I'd love to spend some time with them, too. Well, this is a great time for uh, the listeners to just to get to know you as a person, you as a man a little bit. So you got a family. Describe, talk about your family for just a second. Well, I'll probably start with the uh, very important piece to all this equation is my wife, yes, Carrie. Yes, you better so mention Carrie or else you're going to be in trouble. Remarkable uh, spice and spouse and wife. Uh, so her background is in nursing, and uh, she's at Children's Mercy Hospital downtown Kansas City. She's the ECMO co-director. So the ECMO is the, the program designed for the uh, heart, lung, and life support. So basically, it's the highest level wow. of life support. Children on life that support. That is a rough job day in and day out. Yep. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's amazing, Jeff, what, what they can yeah. do and uh, you know, the technology that they have, basically they can, you know, have these kids that 30 years ago, hundred yeah. percent of them would have passed away. And now they can keep, you know, a high, high percentage of those kids going and then to help them go on and live quality lives. And so it's absolutely amazing. You know, those days that I think I, I've got a bad day on my side, you know, I just listen to to what Carrie is talking about day in, day in and day out. Right. And puts things into perspective for sure. So she, she's a, you know, just a wonderful individual has been crucial in the development of, of mind view and uh, all across the way. She's been so supportive and helping me develop all this. And uh, back uh, in 2011, when I was initially kind of having some ideas about wanting to create mind view, I kept talking about it with Carrie and uh, you know, I'd say, you know, I kind of want to create a company, but I, I didn't have the language Jeff to be able to talk right. about it. Cause a lot of this, you know, research stuff and academia, was still pretty early on. Uh, but, you know, I talked to Carrie and say, you know, gosh, I, I kind of want to do a company that works to develop resilience and, and grit and all these things that I was kind of learning and, and starting to investigate. And, and, uh, and she's like, well, quit talking about it and just write it down. Okay. Start writing <laughs> right. down these ideas. I like Carrie. And so for my birthday, Jeff, she, she bought me a, a journal and she said, okay, quit talking about this and start writing th some things down. And that started the process for me as I started to write down all these goals, right, of what I wanted to do. I actually have a, a, the journal still to this day. And you can go back and, and look at the early version of our theoretical model that we have. And this rote model uh, really is uh, chronicled there, there in that journal. So, yeah, Carrie's been just a... Uh, uh, incredibly important piece to uh, helping me develop, you know, all of this that I've, I've gone on to do today. But uh, part of our family, too, we've got two wonderful kids. So we've got a, a nine-year-old Henry, and uh, he's just a remarkable guy, big into sports right now. Right. So we've got basketball practice yeah. tonight. I help with, with coaching basketball. He just absolutely loves and thrives in, in that soccer as well. And then my five-year-old Charlotte, so, you know, our, our little spunky one, just a very determined little, little girl. She's in kindergarten and having a great time yeah. yourself so so we are very very yeah, fortunate that sound like great uh a great time to be a parent five-year-old nine-year-old um lots of ups lots of downs but a great time to have children or great age well, you, to have children you, you know jeff we're, we're kind of in that sweet spot right we're outside of all the yeah. diapers and you know uh, waking up every night and, and doing but they're all not that. moody the teenagers yet yeah it's perfect Exactly. Yeah. Everyone said this, this is kind of the sweet spot time. This, right. this is a great, great time. So we're, we're definitely enjoying well, it. Well, just for the 
listeners to get to know you a little bit better. This is one my one theoretical question that I'm trying to ask all of the guests this episode or this season. Um, and it's one day free. You can go anywhere, do anything, but here's the deal. You got absolutely no work. There's nothing on the horizon. There's nothing hanging over your head. So you can go anywhere you want. You can do anything you want for one day. Where do you go, Brian? What do you do? But the most important part of this question is why? Yeah, good, good question. I would say, boy, either location-wise, okay, I would either head to the mountains because I find that incredibly peaceful, you know, going up to Colorado, doing some hiking around. I absolutely love that. Or a second option would be hitting the beach, right? Uh, I, I definitely enjoy that piece and hearing the waves and, and all that. But uh, probably more importantly than the location, I'd say who's with me. And uh, that, that would be exactly who yeah. I just talked about right there. Carrie, Henry, and Charlotte, um, you know, just being together as a family is something that I think is, uh, you know, top priority and something that I love to do. So, uh, yeah, whether it's the mountains or, or the ocean, uh, just get together with the kids and Carrie and uh, have a great I time. I like the way you said that. It's not so much where, but who you're with. Um, that makes that one day, you know, the memory that you look back on and enjoy for a long, long time. You and I share a couple of things yeah. in common, not just both of us coming out of the state of Iowa, um, but I'm a theologian by training. I'm a student of leadership. That's really where my fascination is, but I'm a closet sociologist. I am just in awe of what makes people tick. And I think we as a you know the academic community have barely even scratched the surface, not even seen the tip of the iceberg of really understanding what makes people tick. So as you're talking, I'm thinking about those kids in the high school classroom, because let's face it, mm -hmm. some teacher, teachers are out there. They just care about their career. They care about a promotion. They want to do well on test scores. And you're looking at some of these students and you're like, I don't, I don't understand why some of these students are doing really, really well. And if some of those students are doing really well, can we capture that so that all of the students can do well? So what was it about the high school classroom that made you say, there's something going on here? There's something more than meets the eye, right? Because, well, you, you, when you're teaching, you've, especially at the high school level, you've got 160 kids often that are coming in day in and day out into your classroom. You know, so you get to see yeah. a lot. And so back, back, uh, okay, so I'll give you some, some background to, to creating mind view. So I initially started off in the counseling psychology uh -huh. program at KU, okay, looking at all these positive psychological factors, great growth mindset, resilience. And then I started questioning, you know, could we teach and cultivate these things? So Jeff, I was working in a university counseling center doing therapy with students. And I started to think to myself, you know, gosh, we've got this so backwards. We, we wait yeah, we'll Jeff, wait until, until somebody's struggling. And as opposed to, could we work to teach and cultivate many of these positive psychological factors rather than fixate on the psychopathology and we're going to slap a label on, on this student or this person and say, okay, now you've got depression, right? Now we're going to try to treat that depression. You know, could we focus much more on the proactive nature of this, you know, develop the resilience, develop the hope, develop the grit, develop the, the self-efficacy, the confidence to accomplish our goals, the, the mission and purpose and what it is that, that we're doing those bigger factors, you know, as a way to prevent a lot of that psychopathology from developing in the first place. And so that's uh, when I started to think, okay, how can we teach this? So then I returned back to the classroom as I was finishing up my graduate work. So I finished up in educational leadership and policy right. studies. I was growing really interested in what made successful leaders tick. And so I thought, okay, if I could get this background in leadership and, you know, a little bit of business management, HRs to help me out with developing this company, that would be very beneficial. Well, during that time, I returned back to teach as I was paying my way through school. And I started to test out these ideas with kids. And so back in 2011, when I talked about the, the journal there with yeah. Carrie in 2012 and 2013, I started to develop this assessment. And I initially started to assess all these students in school. And we found that all of these positive psychological factors were correlating incredibly well with students' academic performance, how they were doing in school. And then just anecdotally, I could also see, hey, like, you know, this kid really struggles right. in school. There's a lot of issues that are going on with the student and they're low in a lot of these factors. And so from there, I was trying to figure out, okay, how can we cultivate these skills? And so I initially started off with an after-school program. 
designed to see if we could put a dent into some of these factors. And we did kind of a pre-post-test analysis to look at how did students score when they came in, right? And then after this intervention, this 10-week after-school program, did they show an improvement in a lot of these skills? And we found in all the data, yeah, that we saw a growth and improvement. So it gave me hope at that point in time that, yes, yeah. we can influence these skills, right? They're, they're not set in stone or hardwired uh -huh. into us, but we can cultivate these factors. And so that's kind of where, where this originated for me back in the, in the classroom and in the education sector. Yeah. Well, so for the people that are listening to this podcast, not watching it on YouTube right now, if you kind of tuned out, let me just point out something that Brian just said, because the average uh, researcher, when they see a group of students and some in that group are struggling, they're immediately going to go to the struggling students and ask, why are they struggling and what's causing them to struggle and how can we help them not struggle? Brian, your brain works very different because you see a group of students, you see students that are really doing well. Of course, you notice the students that are struggling, but you ask a very different question. Why are these students doing well? And could we replicate what's making them do well for the students that are struggling, which is a radical different approach to helping students, helping people succeed in life. And maybe a well, much more productive way of helping people succeed than just dumping money and resources at the things that we think are causing students to struggle. Don't get me wrong. There should be money and resources to help struggling students. But maybe a better approach is figure out what the successful students are doing and replicate it with those that are not so successful. Well, and it's this belief, too, that everybody can be successful. Every student out there can be successful. Every employee in an organization can be successful. But we also have to create the conditions for them to succeed. This is something that's been really interesting as we've started to assess more and more groups with this tool, Jeff, is, you know, we would see these individuals. So and let me fast forward in that story. So after I, you know, started off to develop that assessment with those students, we started to do more testing with adults out there in the, in the workforce. And, and I was trying to study these high performing individuals, right? CEOs, mm -hmm. generals in the military, university presidents, you know, you name it, people that are on all means and purposes, right? They're, they're doing really well in life. Well, occasionally we'd come across these individuals, Jeff, who we would look at them and say, they are the epitome of grit and resilience. Okay. Like just look at what they've accomplished in their life and career. And then we would assess them along all these factors. And sometimes we'd see that they would score quite low. And at first we were like, what on earth is going on here? Like, why, why would the person answer the items that way? And then we'd go on and have a conversation with many of these individuals to inquire, you know, what, what's going on in their life or what led them to answer the items in that particular manner. And Jeff, it was so surprising. We started to hear the same story of, yes, this person had accomplished all these remarkable things or making many cases, gobs of money, had great yeah. titles and roles and positions and all that. But internally, they were miserable that they had very little sense of passion for what they were doing. They were burnout in their work. They were going through the motions, counting down the days until they retired, going through yeah. divorce or something was going on in their life where we came to understand with a lot of these factors like grit and resilience and, and hope, it's not so much a trait of an individual that somebody is just going to be a motivated, gritty, resilient person. But instead, what it seems to be the case with many of these skills, it's it's more of a snapshot for how motivated is this person right. feeling? How gritty are they feeling? How, how resilient are they feeling? And if we can you know, work to elevate these skills in people, that's when they can really thrive. Yeah. So I want to just point out what you're what you learned is it's not so much innate skills, though there are some people that have innate skills in an area and the general population doesn't. It's not innate skills that led to these people becoming breakout leaders and, you know, captains of industry for lack of better phrases, but there's something else going on. And I can't help but think that the listener right now is saying, okay, Jeff, this sounds like an infomercial. Uh, uh, let me make sure that the audience understands why we're talking to Brian on this episode of Unbeatable, because virtually every guest that I've ever had on this podcast all shares some similar traits, traits that Brian has discovered. Brian has helped bring out of people. Brian coaches in other people. And the traits are all the same. When life got rough and they were punched in the face by circumstances, no fault of their own, laying flat on the mat and just hurting while they were down on the mat, 
these guests all had a choice to make. Am I going to stay on the mat? Am I going to let life keep me down? Or am I going to dig deep inside and I'm and will I find the strength to get back up and to face whatever happens next and keep getting back up? And this is where the word unbeatable comes from. No matter what life throws at me next. And you've really... Look, the word is pat or trademark. Don't steal my word, Brian. But you're really helping people be unbeatable with mind view. That's really what you're doing, right? Well, Jeff, I would love to study you, right? As an as an individual, as, as somebody that has displayed all this grit and perseverance. And I, as before, we we hopped on this podcast here. Of course, I learned about your background and heard the story and the Black Hawk Down and all that. And and I, you know, for me, it's so fascinating to help understand like what led you to be able to persevere and you've seen some horrific things, right? I remember watching a video, how you said, you know, you had some, some uh, soldiers beside you who were killed literally just, just feet away. Right. And, and how do you go through that experience and to deal with that, see that, and then to come out of that in, in a positive way to then use that experience to then help enrich people. Yeah. Can you help me understand, well, you know, what, what contributed? Yeah. That? So for the listener, you and I were just talking right before we started recording this episode and both of us were saying, man, what a privilege to be able to be around people that have these incredible stories and I get a chance to hear these stories every day, all day long. How can you not be a better person? How can you not be a better researcher, a better teacher, whatever, a better stay at home mom, when you hear these incredible stories of people that just went through amazing hardships and persevered, didn't give up, made it to the other side. And for some of them, it was very costly and their life will never be the same, but they ended up stronger on the other side of it. I had the chance to be surrounded by people like that when I was in the army and it left a really big impression on me. And most 99, and I'm trying to not exaggerate here, 99% of what I was able to accomplish in the military in combat was based on the guys that were guys and gals that were with me on the battlefield. Um, but also in, but then what, 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 as you transitioned out of that, okay, moving from being the soldier into doing what you're doing today, you know, how have you continued to, to have that hope? right? Have, have that grit and, and resilience yeah, so to push I, forward. Uh, my heroes are warriors. Um, those guys and gals that strap on a gun and put on a uniform, I'm talking law enforcement as well, and defend their community or defend their country. I'm blown away by the level of commitment and sacrifice. And when I retired from the army, I wanted to stay around people like that. I wanted to continue to serve my heroes and be around them So we retired in a military community and I'm inundated with guys and gals that are just incredible, have amazing stories. So how can you not be inspired by that? How can you not get up and be ready to tackle whatever the day throws at you? And there are some bad days and some good days, but how can you not tackle those days whenever you're surrounded by people like that? Well, it sounds like you've got a strong sense of purpose. So um, I'll just shoot straight with you. If some of my friends from the army were listening to this episode. They would start off by in, they may not say it out loud. Actually, they're kind of rude or not rude, but they're very, just very blunt. So they would just tell you, I don't believe in all of this psychology and mind view baloney. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to tell you why Brian, but then I'm going to ask you a couple of hard questions. Like I was one of those friends trying to figure this out for the first time because I trained for and competed in the best ranger competition for a couple of years. And when I was training for Best Ranger, I stumbled across a few articles about some of the most talented endurance athletes in the world, and they were all doing the same thing. They were doing a little mental preparation, no matter what the sport, they were all doing a little mental preparation for it. I had been training on my own for a while. I'd had a coach that would been training me, but nobody was talking about this mental preparation. And I started thinking when I was reading these articles, I don't even know if I believe in any of this baloney but I'll give it a try because I, I trust some of these really talented athletes. And so I started doing a little mental preparation for the way that I wanted to execute something in this extremely complex or very in, uh, challenging uh, competition. And I started to notice, man, my performance is really, really improving. Like you can't chalk this up to working out harder in the gym. Something else is going on here. 
And I started to get really focused on this. And for the last two years that I trained for and competed in that competition, I've, I put a lot of personal time into mental preparation. Um, mm. And as I started studying up on MindView, I was like, my buddies would all say, this is a bunch of baloney. But I know from personal experience, just stumbling into this, that it's not. And I'm living proof that it made major improvements in my performance um, with, you know, in performance improvements that I couldn't accomplish by hard work in the gym. Well, and, you know, as an academic guy, right, I, I look at to, to what's the research say, right? What, what is the data? Yeah, we can all have this anecdotal stuff and, and that's all great. But what, what does the science really, really tell us? And, and the science tells us that many of these skills, right, they're predictive of yeah. so much, Jeff, anywhere from academic performance in kids in school to workplace performance. In my own dissertation at the University of Kansas, we looked at the relationship of these skills to successful leadership behavior, transformational leadership, and found that they were predictive of who's demonstrating successful leadership skills. Uh, behavioral economists get their hands on, on this data today, and, and they're looking at the Im importance of these skills for uh, labor market outcomes and who's making more money throughout their life and who's more likely to be employed. Even like voting yeah. behavior is predictive of, of these skills. And then importantly, and maybe most importantly, is the health and wellness of all this is that, you know, many of these factors are uh, predictive of not only physical health outcomes and, and things like longevity in people, but also those mental yeah. health outcomes. What we know about a lot of these factors is that they serve as buffers against a lot of that psych psychopathology, that, that uh, depression, stress, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, and, and some of those pieces that many of these positive factors can help you know, thwart and buffer against some of those more challenging uh, yeah. issues that we sometimes face. In our yeah, lives. I totally agree. So I'm trying to tell the listener, if you're sitting there and you're driving in your car and you're thinking, I don't know if I really buy any of this, I am living proof that just focusing the most important muscle, let's be honest, it's an organ, not a muscle, but focusing your mental capacity makes far bigger improvements than in the gym or on the track. And um, my buddies wouldn't believe it. I think some of my buddies to this day still don't buy it. So now, Brian, I want to ask you a few questions like I'm one of those guys that's not sure I buy any of this stuff that you're talking about. When you start talking Sounds about good. mind view and that being predictive, I need to know how does this work? And I'm a very simple guy. So in layman terms, explain to me how what this is and how does it work? Well, so with our work, it's it's really start starting with that assessment. Okay, it, it's going to give you a glimpse, an idea of what is going on in your mind relative to everybody else out there. And okay? it's so it, this can I not, uh, I want to clarify, it's at a moment in time, right? It's it's not. It's a, it's a yeah, snapshot. It's yeah, this, all is what, this is what we've learned. Yeah, yeah, Jeff. So again, uh, what we've learned about these factors is it's not a definition of who somebody is that, that we can fluctuate up and down in these in these elements over the course of our of our lives. You know, at one point you might be feeling incredibly motivated. Fast forward five years, okay, and and that motivation can yeah. plummet based off of everything that's that's going on in in your life and and all those external factors. Jeff, that stuff makes a difference. All those sociological indicators and those elements going on in your life that can influence your sense of motivation that can influence your sense of grit and perseverance and your resilience and hope and all that and so you know the, the sad reality is everything is constantly yeah. changing in our life and so these factors by no means exist in some sort of vacuum in our own mind but instead they're they're this beautiful dance that's going on between what we are thinking and feeling and all those thoughts that are going on up here between our ears you know and then what's happening on the external world for us and then there's constant back and forth that's going on. That's interesting. And so that's uh, and your imagery is interesting because I I don't think I've ever really considered it like a dance between what I'm seeing and what's going on in my mind and what's actually happening in the world around me. And sometimes, let's be honest, if you're not dancing well, you're going to step all over each other's toes. Sometimes, if you're really not dancing well, you're going to stumble and fall. So it makes sense to try to get what's happening in your mind dancing well with what's going on around you. But it starts with the and, and we're, we're starting to see acceptance yeah. 
of this too, right? In the importance of our mindset, you know, you're seeing in sports, right? You're seeing more mental right. performance coaches come about, you know, this is becoming a very common thing. You're hearing about, you know, mental health and mental wellness, of course, and the importance of, of that in, in a person's life, both in sports and in military. So there's just growing acceptance and understanding that, you know, that there's more to the equation yeah. of success than all these traditional indicators that we've looked at in the past. Yeah, so here's the secret. The way that this all started for me is I had been training and competing in the best ranger competition. I had a buddy who had a friend, it always goes that way, who was an Olympic athlete. The friend was visiting and the friend came over to my house, Olympic gold medalist. And I started asking him a few questions about the way that they were training for the next Olympics. And he started talking about his mental preparation. And I'm like, hold on, man, this sport that you're in is just raw power. I would think you would be in the gym throwing up a lot of weight. And he started explaining this to me. Started, I started reading a few articles, learning from a few other endurance experts. And it occurred to me like everybody's doing the guys that are guys and gals that are really doing well in their sport, all different kinds of sports. They're all focusing really intensely on their mind as much as on their physical performance. And it's making a huge difference. So it starts with the assessment. But I don't understand what happens next. Well, so what we often see is, is it's an eye-opening experience for a lot of people. Jeff, pretty much everybody that we've ever assessed, thousands and thousands of people from all across the world, okay, they tend to score lower than what they anticipate in at least one or two or, or, or some areas. Okay, the best thing since sliced bread. It's been incredibly sure. fascinating to see, right? That in our own minds, we think, okay, yeah, I, you know, I should be scoring quite well in all these arees. Everyone goes in thinking I should be the you know, 95th percentile and higher in all these areas. Well, just by this year, I understand of how we calculate all these. If we assess a hundred people, well, nine of them are going to score in the ninth percentile yeah. or lower, right? And so this gives you a glimpse for how you're thinking and feeling relative to other individuals. And once you can see that, okay, that's when we start to see the light bulbs go on for people. And you can get that understanding for, okay, where, where am I at relative to other people? And then we'll often hear, okay, yeah, I know, I, I know I haven't been feeling you know, mm -hmm. great and, but, but this really opened up my eyes to see where I'm at, at this particular point in time. So, so that's kind of step one in, in the process of, of getting that understanding for, for where's your mind mindset at. All right. So next step in the process now that you've got the assessment results back in what is your comp what does mind view do with the individual next well it, i don't want to f fixate on on just what my view is but i think more importantly you know what what can people do uh to, to help cultivate these skills and, and jeff what we find is is most important is is people okay yeah. that people transform people and if you can have a caring supportive mentor out there, okay, who can uh, see what's going on in, in a person's mind. Now they can do something about it. I think back to uh, when we were working uh, with, with one of these ROTC programs across the country, they had this uh, number one ranked cadet based off all their standard uh -huh. army criteria pieces, okay, and I, I get this call from the professor of military science saying, oh, Brian, I, I need to talk with you. And I said, yeah, what, what's going on? He said, our, our number one ranked cadet just scored in the first percentile on your assessment. And I said, okay, um, t tell me more. He said, uh, this kid's doing well academically, right? He's performing well. He's, he's our top yeah. ranked cadet. You know, we feel like he's got grit, he's got resilience, but, but your, your, your tool here is telling us otherwise, like what, what gives. And so I said, well, let me, let me look at the data here and let me dig in, make sure he, you know, answered yeah. everything kind of honestly and in a straight line and, and, uh, you know, just answered the same item all the way through, looked at it and said, no, 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 uh, definitely took the assessment seriously. Uh, I recommend that you just go in, and talk with them, have a conversation with them. So then they had these one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. debriefs with each one of the cadets. And that cadet uh, went on to, to say he, he was absolutely miserable in, in doing what he was doing. You know, here he was succeeding on all the traditional indicators of success. But internally, you know, in his own mind, he wasn't feeling great. And so now they could see this and uh, have those conversations to help guide and mentor him, support and coach that individual to get him into a better spot. This, this person was largely you know, pursuing this work and becoming a military officer out of uh, kind of uh, family expectation that, that he had a fa family member. Yep. 
And he said, you know, I, I, I don't really want to do this at all, but I, you know, I want to pursue something else. I mean, and then they were able to have those conversations, those you know, life changing yeah. conversations with him. And, and that's what we find time and time again. It takes Jeff one caring, supportive person, right, that can inquire about somebody in, in their life that can then change their right. trajectory. Right. I, I think back to my own experience back when I was you know, teaching school and you know, trying to figure out my, my own journey. You know, I was trying to figure out what, what direction should I go? I knew deep down I wanted to create an organization like this, but I didn't know how to do it. And here I was being trained to largely become like a principal or superintendent of a school system. And I was uh, you know, talking with, with my principal at the time. And I, I was scared out of my mind, Jeff, to, to tell him this, but I thought, you know, I kind of want to tell him what I really want to do, that I want to, you know, pursue this work and working to help measure and develop resilience and all these other factors. And so I, I told him, I said, you know, I, I don't want to be a teacher. I don't want to be a, a, a school principal. I really don't even want to be a superintendent, but I want to develop an organization that would help measure and foster uh, a lot of these factors that I'm really passionate about. And Jeff, his, his response to me was life-changing. He looked at me and he said, Brian, what can I do to help you get there? Wow. You know, because here, th- here I thought, you know, this is a guy who's going to look at me and say, well, what are you yeah. doing here? You're wasting right. my time, right? But as a caring leader, he said, you know, uh, what can I do to help you? He showed that he, he cared about me as a person, my, my future, my, my, my passions in life. And then went the next step to say, what can I do to help you? Yeah. Right. And it's those sorts of things that leaders do that can make a world of difference in a person throughout yeah, their life. Yeah, it can change one person's life. Actually, it could change a lot of people's lives because that one person goes on and makes a big impact on a lot of people, which they would have just been miserable and going through the motions for the rest of their life, if not. Um, mm-hmm. I, I kind of want to ask you, this is the part of the conversation that I was really looking forward to getting to with you, Brian, is this helps people within, um, who are struggling with mental wellness and they helps them find grit and develop resilience and go through, uh, you know, handle some of those moments in life that could beat them. This helps people become unbeatable, but I, I want you to help me understand, help the listener understand how does just understanding and doing this, the assessment and getting a snapshot, how does that help you develop grit when life gets really hard? How does that help me handle the stress of family crisis or financial problems? Explain to me what happens next. Well, so so the assessment piece is just step one, yeah. right? That, that's the awareness piece. From, from there, it's asking, okay, what can we do to help develop these factors? And so then go back to my days of being a teacher, developing that after-school program. Okay, well, I work to develop content and then to see whether or not we can put a dent into these factors. And what we've done on the MindView side is developed out these learning modules and all this content to help foster these factors. But what we find is the most important piece, Jeff, is that coaching yeah. element. Okay, it's, it's, it's having somebody who can help you navigate through all those challenging times, somebody that's you know either gone through some adversity themselves some uh, great performing leader right who's gone through some challenges the ups and downs that come along with with leadership we find that to be an incredibly important piece it's, it's having that human element that, that coaching piece uh, to help guide people during those challenging times because listen you know every single one of us me you everybody listening to, to this podcast right we're all going through oh, something yeah. in our in our life right? And we're not alone in the adversity that, that we face. And sometimes it's just so beneficial to have somebody who, who can listen, right? Who can help guide and mentor and support somebody through the challenges that they're encountering. Yeah. I want to give you a chance in just a second to talk about the scientifically proven results of this, but you don't even... I'm, I've already told you, I cyber stalked you. I've already looked up your results, but I didn't have to look them up because I've already seen this firsthand. We're right now kind of... 2023, we're the last couple of years at this explosion in mental health challenges worldwide. I'm using the word challenges because some are very severe, some are very minor. Much of it was brought on by the change, the trauma, the loss of COVID, but there are still lots of people, like 800% increase in mental health challenges, the stress, the anxiety, the adversity that went along with those things. And Some people are not handling it well, and I keep trying to encourage the listeners, hey, if you're struggling and you're really, really in a bad way, reach out. Don't try to handle it on your own. But I'll tell you this quick story, Brian, Um, and this is uh, 
something that just for the listener, if you're here in Brian right now and you're saying, I still am not sure. Well, let me tell you how convinced I am that the coaching that he's talking about right now really does make a world of difference, can change somebody's life. Because I worked for a boss. Um, I was his chaplain, which means I was not part of the chain of command. I was kind of on the special staff. And the people that were normally trying to compete for promotion and the next raise and the next level in the military, none of them were in my food chain. I wasn't in their food chain. So my boss said, Jeff, I want you to observe, assess, and then give feedback to every leader in my battalion from this certain level on. Now I'm talking hundreds of leaders. And I developed kind of on my own this 360 degree assessment where their boss would assess them, their peers would assess them, the people that they that work for them, their subordinates would assess them. And then I would be the only person that gets all the assessment, <clears throat> excuse me, and I would watch, I would collate all the results, and then I would sit down and have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them. So let's just say nice round number. A hundred guys come in to sit down with me. They have no idea what the results are, but they've all went through the same process. And I start to read the results to them. And no exaggeration, Brian, 25, 30 of those 100 guys, 25, 30% of them, totally blow everything off. They're like, no, that's not me. That's not accurate. I'm not like that. I'm different. That may be the other guys, but that's not me. And I, I, in, in some of those conversations, I'm just stand, sitting there with my mouth open. Like, how could you be such a moron? Look, I'm not getting anything out of this. I don't get promoted for this. I'm not, uh, I, the boss doesn't even get a chance to know what I'm seeing. And this is purely for you and for your own good and to help you be a better leader. Here's what people are saying about you. And they're like, yeah, but that's not me. I don't believe it. I don't buy it. And most of those leaders, no exaggeration, are no longer in the military. Some of them that had the absolute worst results got in my office. Let me tell them kind of what the, everybody said about them. And after a long, hard look, they said, you know what? I got some work to do. And then they went out and did some work and became much different, much better uh, leaders in the future. And I cannot forget that 25 or 30% that just looked me in the eyes and said, yeah, I'm I don't believe it. All of this is wrong. I'm like, I don't, I don't know why you wouldn't look at this gift of a, an assessment of who you are and where you're at right now. Why I don't understand why you wouldn't take that and learn from it and grow from it. But there's a percentage of people out there that no matter what you do, they won't buy it. Well, J Jeff, in our, our language, we, we call that a more of a fixed mindset. So Carol, oh, that's Dweck a better from, word than uh, moron. Cause I just call them morons. <laughs> <laughs> Carol Dweck out of Stanford you know, developed this concept called growth mindset and along a continuum from growth mindset to, to fixed mindset. You know, and some people will have a much stronger fixed mindset where they think, well, I just have this talent. I, ha I have these gifts. I have this incredible intelligence to me. And re really, you know, you can't really change that yeah. in a person, right? You just kind of have it or, or you don't. Other people have much more of the stronger growth mindset where they believe no matter how much innate talent or ability you may have, you can always grow, right? You can always right. improve. And so it sounds like you had many of those leaders who had that stronger growth mindset who said, give me the information, give me the data, right? Even if it's not great, okay, I want to know that because that's going to help me get better. Whereas some of those leaders had much more of that fixed yeah. mindset said, you know, if you're going to tell me bad stuff, well, I'm going to put up that wall because you're, you must be, you know, full of, bunch right. of crap, Jeff, if you're, if you're telling me this, because, well, I, I think otherwise. And so, um, you know, what we want to try to do is, is get people to cultivate that stronger growth mindset that welcomes that feedback, even if it's not, not good. Right. And that feedback is what ultimately helps us grow and get better. Yeah, For a few of those, and I'm talking two or three of them, they got the worst possible results that you could expect. They weren't, they didn't see this one coming, but they sat there. They were very reflective. They were very thoughtful. And then they just took it as honesty. Like, okay, if that's what people see, I don't feel like I'm doing that. But if that's what people are seeing in me, then I got to make some changes. And wow, did they change and blew the, you know, the next year blew people away by the, the, the rate of change. So there's some hard numbers that you got to back this up. Can you just describe what what the results you're seeing? Uh, you know, when people get real serious about uh, their mental about their their mind view. 
Well, so I think the the biggest lesson, okay, that that we want to learn is is that these things are not set in stone for for a person, all right? They they can increase, okay, and and we can do this through educational training and and development, but there's a whole bunch of other things, Jeff, that can contribute to these factors. It's as I mentioned, my own journey, right? It's a caring, supportive spouse or loved one, or you know, e- even your own yeah. children. Um, I was recently, you know, sharing a story about my my journey of of creating my view, Jeff, when I was trying to develop that that assessment it was a bear of a process i initially wanted to to do this just for my dissertation at ku and they, they told me they said you know brian make make that your your life's mission because it's going to take you forever <laughs> you're going to spend the rest it. of they, your they, life they, working on this one buddy they were right right it was so incredibly hard to to do that and it took us years and years to to get that assessment validated and to do all the scientific work behind it well during that time you know, I was trying to get this large sample size to do all the, the validation work and uh, going through all these challenges and hurdles as you know, I was going after getting this assessment created. And I was sitting on the couch one night, you know, just uh, feeling quite miserable, uh, you know, about thinking, how am I ever going to pull this off? Well, before, uh, you know, I was sitting there on the couch uh, previous couple of days before I was out uh, in, in the yard with my son. He, he was at that point in time, about three years old. And he had these little toys, like yeah. a little Gumby type stretchy leg guy, right? He would like pull it apart and then snap back together. Well, he was kind of like putting it on his finger and he, he launched it one, one day and he couldn't find it. And he was, you know, walking around finding it. And pretty soon, you know, here's little three-year-old Henry just losing his mind that he cannot find little, we call them stretchy legs. They could not find stretchy legs out, out in the yard. And he was, he was with the neighbor girl mm-hmm. at the time. And she's saying, well, I must've went down the drain. It's gone forever. Right. And Henry's just sobbing, sobbing, sobbing. And I'm thinking, okay, uh, what can we do about this? So I, I get down on my knees. I say, Henry, said you're davidson okay and and what davidson's don't do is we don't give up we're gonna we're gonna keep searching we're gonna find this little stretchy legs okay we're gonna keep searching we're gonna find this you got that and he kind of wiped away the tears right and he said okay okay so we go around for about five ten minutes and here you know stretchy legs is off in the grass about 10 10 yards off and and then uh you know we we fast forward okay about six months later as i'm sitting on that couch that night i've got a glass of wine you know i'm soaking in my misery about everything that that's going on and all these challenges and hurdles that i was facing and henry comes up to me he says dad 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 i want to i can't can't find woody's hat woody yeah. from from woody, toy store yeah you know? everybody so, loves woody he said i he said i can't find what woody's hat you know can, can you help me and i was like henry no i'm not right now i'm tired i'm worn out i'm i am i'm just really not wanting to do this he says, dad 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 but dad remember davidson's don't give up we keep going we keep searching dad we don't give up and I heard that message wow. at that point in time. Again, I was feeling pretty dang low. You Jeff. were, lo- you like just lost not- your stretchy legs. I indeed, yeah. indeed. But I heard my little, you know, probably about four year old son at that point in time telling me, you know, we don't give up, we don't give up. And so I think that's a, such an important message uh, that, you know, everybody around us that can help us have that yeah. grit to help us have that, that resilience, you know, and, and we're all going to go through those ups and downs of, of life. But um, if we have people in our lives that can provide that, that source of, of hope for us, that, that encourage us that we can find a way around this obstacle, or at least, you know, create that sense that we can persevere, that we can bounce back from this challenge, that we can overcome this adversity that we've encountered, that's what gets us yeah. through. You've said this several times in this episode now. It's not just you, but it's the people around you. So it's your son, right? It's Carrie handing you a journal and saying, write it down. It's a researcher or it's a close friend that comes alongside you and says, look, I know it's hard. We're going to get through this and I'm going to go through it with you. And I'm going to make sure that you don't give up and that you find the grit. I love this word um, or the resilience to face whatever life is throwing your way. And I think there's a growing well, it may not be growing, but there's a large percentage of our population that just runs from any adversity, avoids adversity like it's cancer, and tries not to ever get in those circumstances. And unfortunately, and I'm not saying, look, there's something like wrong inside you if you're looking for problems and you want hardships, but the idea of running from it never gives you the chance to find grit. Because perseverance, Mm -hmm. resilience, grit, 
only comes on the other side of hardships, right? I mean, you almost have to go through these things if you find out who, how to find out how strong you really are on the inside. And it's only on the other side of it that you really learn these things. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the activities that we often do with individuals is, is so we're helping to cultivate some some resilience in, in people as well. We'll have them write write down a list. And we, we title it my list of what's gone wrong, Jeff. Okay? And, <laughs> and some we, people we are going to about... need an extra notebook. Oh, and we, we hear this time and time again, especially when we're doing some live yeah. settings, right? Where people say, oh, I need another sheet of paper, right? Because they're boom, 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 jotting down right. all these things of my list of what's gone wrong. So we give them you know, several minutes to write down all those things in their life for, for the past three or four years that have gone wrong. And I say, look at that list, okay? And what I want you to do next is I want you to cross out that title, my list of what's gone wrong. And so they cross off that, that title. And I said, up above that, I want you to write instead of my list of what's gone wrong. I want you to write my list of what I've overcome. Oh, that's big right there. Wow. That's powerful. So now we're shifting the mindset, Jeff. Okay. To not see ourselves as a victim of our circumstances, but instead we see ourselves as somebody that has faced a lot of adversity and who has overcome a lot of adversity. Okay, that we don't want to develop that sense of learned helplessness that feels like, oh, you know, there's nothing that we can do about all these situations that are well beyond our control. But instead, you look at yourself and say, look at what yeah. I have overcome. Look at what I've gone through. Look at what I've overcome. And I'm ready to tackle the next challenge. Yeah, that comes for some way. people, that statement just went right over their heads. But for me, that just hit like a ton of bricks. Because when you look back at some of the big challenges and you start to think, man, that hurt. And that was so hard. I don't ever want to go through it again. But if I could face that in the past, then what's coming my way today or what may be around the corner tomorrow, if, if I could face what I just went through in the past, then I know I've got what it takes to handle what I'm going through today or what may be coming around the road tomorrow. Like I wrote that down. It put the, made the hair on my forearm stand up, my list of what I've overcome. Because that's just a powerful reminder of the, the grit, the perseverance, the resilience that you have, you've already showed on the inside. And, and Jeff, think, think about all these people that experienced that, that hardship throughout the pandemic, yeah. right? They were told a message that, you know, this is all beyond right. your control, that there's nothing you can do about this. And that developed a sense of yeah. helplessness. And that helplessness is now contributing to much of the issues that, that we're facing today. I think back to a, a study that I read a couple of years back. It looked at, uh, they're trying to look at what predicts uh, internal locus of control. So this is one mm -hmm. of the factors that, that we measure. And internal locus of control is all about, do you feel like you can influence the outcomes that you experience in your life, that your hard work, your decisions, your efforts, that's what ultimately drives right. many of your outcomes, as opposed to having more of an external locus of control that thinks that it's, it's all, all out of my hands. You know, yeah, it's, you got to be lucky, right? right? You got to have the right, right timing of everything in order to succeed and do well. And the study was looking at uh, all these developing countries across the world. And they were trying to figure out, you know, what were the predictors of whether or not somebody developed an internal versus external locus of control? And when they were looking at an external locus of control, guess what they found was the one predictor among all these variables of what somebody's experienced in their life. It was experiencing a drought by the age of five was a strong wow. predictor of whether or not somebody was developing an external locus of control. And get this, the, they, they showed that the effect continued with somebody, that they continued to maintain that external locus of control all the way up until the fourth decade oh, of life. Oh my goodness, 40 years it stuck okay, with you. So 40 years, right, right. Stuck with them into their 40s until that effect started to, to wane off. Well, you think about why, like what's going on? Well, you know, as of three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old kid, okay, if you're hearing your parents say, well, this drought, right, these weather yeah. conditions, this is beyond our right. control. We can't control this, right? This is, you know, influencing our ability to raise these crops and there's yeah. nothing that we can do. And a child is hearing that message time and time again. That's going to develop yeah. this belief that you really can't influence what happens Absolutely. in the future. And, and that stays with somebody. Now imagine what just happened with the pandemic, Okay. We just yeah, experienced you just told this, eight this billion message. people this is a, a, you know, a health drought that's out of our control. Exactly, and the effect that that will have not just for the next couple of years, but for yeah, decades, forty yeah. years. Wow. 
Yeah. And no question, there are those people that face the drought. It's not raining. The crops are drying up. But, and I can't make it rain, but I'm going to do whatever I got to do to just adjust to the circumstances and adapt to what life is throwing at me. And sure, there is still a drought and it's still not raining, but I, I'm going to figure out a way to adjust, adapt, and to overcome those are the three words that used to get tossed around in special operations uh, missions repeatedly. You figure out a way to be flexible, adaptable, and just overcome whatever happens next. You adapt to it and overcome it. Well, so, so let me let me ask you: as, as somebody that was trained, you know, into adjusting and adapting, what what contributes to that sense of mental flexibility? What, what? allowed yeah. you to be able to adjust, uh, you know, in, without getting into all of in, the details. I mean, the truth is that's ingrained from the very start in some of the most uh, skilled special operators and the units. Um, it's part of their DNA, like the very first missions. Oh, here's the plan. You know what? The plan just changed. And hey, you're the brand new guy with absolutely zero responsibility. But because the situation just became catastrophic, I'm now putting you in, re- in a position of responsibility and you got to figure out how to step up and take over. And people's heads are swimming, but you do that often enough, long enough, and they start to figure out like, I didn't want this. I didn't ask for this, but I'm going to figure out a way next to adapt and overcome. Uh, to be flexible enough to face whatever happens next. And I think there's so, some... So that training basically yeah. helped to equip them with the belief that right. I can I think there's some real benefits and- to putting them in those really complex and unexpected situations and just saying, figure it out. And we're going to do our best to try to make you successful along the way, but you got to figure it out, big boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love it. Hey, listen, Love man, it. I could nerd out with you. And I mean this in the most, uh, you know, positive way. I could nerd out with you about sociology for the next two hours because I am so fascinated by why does one gal thrive in the exact same situation where another gal just struggles? Why does one guy exceed everybody's expectations and another guy with every other thing being equal, the other guy just falls flat on his face? And the truth is you guys have done research that I've just kind of stumbled through my whole life. You guys have done it and you got the hard work to back it up. So let's say some of the listeners are out there and they're like, man, at the beginning of this episode, I was kind of skeptical, but okay, you convinced me at least enough to take the first step. What is your recommendation? How do they start to uh, uh, become part of that or get connected to MindView? What do they do next? Well, definitely, if they are interested in, in learning more, just check out our website. It's mindview.com, M-I-N-D-V-E.com. Yeah. Let me say that one more time. They're it's interested. not V-I-E-W. Yep. Uh, tell them the web address one more time. And we'll put a link, by the way, if you're driving right now, we'll put a link in the notes to this. Yeah, it's M-I-N-D-V-U-E, mindview.com. And they can uh, you know, check out more on the website. We also have the ability to be able to dig in, take the assessment if people are intrigued to see you know, where, where their own mindset's at. Uh, they've got the ability to do that now. So um, you can go to the website and get that glimpse of, of where your mindset's at to, to get a glimpse yeah. right, of what's going on between your ears relative to everybody right. else out there. And if people want to know more about you, Brian, how can they connect with you? How can they learn more about you? Yeah, I, I'm not a huge social good media guy. I'm, All good? Uh, almost... Almost the opposite of, of, of that. I do have LinkedIn. Um, so, you know, if they, they want to reach out, uh, they can find me up on, on LinkedIn. I'd say maybe that's the spot to go. Uh, feel free to, you know, contact us through our, our website on, on MindView. And uh, one of my colleagues will uh, definitely um, connect me up yeah. with okay. you. If, so the uh, best way to reach you is to go through the website and, and connect with you or your team that way, right? Yeah, or, or, or LinkedIn's yeah. fine as well. All right. Well, and we'll put links, by the way, to your LinkedIn profile on this uh, in the notes to this one as well. Listen, awesome. man, I'm awesome. I'm thrilled. I have been looking forward to this just because I could nerd out on sociology all day long. But thank you for being a guest on this episode of Unbeatable. Well, Jeff, I greatly appreciate it. Anytime you want to nerd out, you just <laughs> Sounds let me know. Sounds good. And tell Carrie, by the way, I wrote a quote down from her, and I'm probably going to use it one day. Why don't you just stop talking about it? Here's a journal. Write about it, and then sto- and then go out and do it. Go yeah. Do it. Go do it. I love it. Absolutely. Thanks, man. See Thanks, you around. Jeff. I appreciate it. Take care. Hey, I love 
what Carrie told Brian. She said, you've talked about it enough. Here's a journal, write it down and then go do it. And it's perfect at the early part of 2023 that we would do this episode with Brian and you would get a chance to hear from him about how you can help be mentally stronger and more prepared for the challenges of 2023. But I can't help but think there are some of you listening who have some big goals and you've not made any progress or you've actually gone in the in the opposite direction over the last couple of years. Maybe you need to take Brian's wife's advice. Maybe you need to go grab a piece of paper, write it down and say, I'm going to start working on this. And then you just get started like Brian did. And pretty soon you keep working at it and you keep working at it. And here's the key, like Brian's son said to him, you don't give up and eventually you stumble across something beautiful, eventually you're able to accomplish your goals. Look around and say, wow, I'm so proud of all that I've been able to accomplish. I hope you were encouraged. I know this episode has probably been a little bit different for you, but I totally buy into what Brian was describing in his mind view approach. And I hope you're encouraged by what you heard today. If you found this podcast for the first time and you liked what you heard, why don't you go ahead and follow us on your favorite podcast platform. If you are connected with our podcast, but you're not following us on social media, why don't you just go ahead and sign up? Why don't you go ahead and subscribe on YouTube? Why don't you go ahead and follow us on your favorite social media platform? Just search at unbeatable podcast. But I recognize that there are times in life where you're just really struggling, where you're stuck and where you need a little motivation. I got a free resource for you. I'm totally, uh, I'm being honest with you. It's totally free. We're not going to ask anything from you. It's called the Unbeatable Army Survival Guide. And it is chocked full. It's a PDF document chocked full of quotes to just help you when you're struck or when you're stumbling, when you're uh, stuck a little bit to help you find the motivation to handle the challenges that you're going through. If you want this, I'll give it to you totally free. No strings attached. Just go to unbeatablearmy.com and sign up for the survival guide right there. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Unbeatable. And I can't wait for you to hear from my next guest, Ty Herndon, on next week's episode. See you next time.